Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sunshine Nation, welcome to the show on another Friday afternoon. Sunshine Guy and QT with you like usual. Real quick before we jump in with our guest, if you're looking for some pro wrestling this week, tonight, WCWO at the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana. SOS Wrestling in Seattle, Washington. IWA Mid-South with the Ted Petty Invitational in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Freelance Wrestling returns first show post-pandemic in Chicago, Illinois. Future Stars of Wrestling in Las Vegas, Nevada. And HIW in Commerce City, Colorado. Tomorrow night, you can find myself and our very own J.B. Moonshine at the very first ever Timber Pro Wrestling Show at the Sultan Washington Boys and Girls Club. One CW in Houston, Delaware. A joint show PPW and OWA in Columbus, Ohio. WCWO running two shows tomorrow. Uh, the second one in Bedford, Indiana. Gouge Pro Wrestling in Raleigh, North Carolina. 907 in Anchorage, Alaska. Lucha Libre Mexico in Cathedral City, California. CWG in Swansboro, Georgia. NWF in Ludlow, Kentucky. And Supreme Wrestling happening in Hanover, Indiana tomorrow. Featuring Shark Boys return to the company. Speaking of that show in Hanover, Indiana... I want to welcome our guest to the show today. She will be on said show in Hanover tomorrow night. Lily Lockhart, thank you so much for being with us. We definitely appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. I feel so honored to be on your show. I'm excited for that Shark Boy show tomorrow. Well, we are glad you're excited. Hopefully the excitement will last the whole show. But since today is your first time with us, I will lead you off with our traditional first-timer question. What got you in the business of professional wrestling? I'm sorry. I didn't hear the first part of the question. Will you repeat it? I'm sorry. Oh, no problem. I was saying since it's your first time with us, we'll lead you off with the traditional first-timer question. What got you into the business of professional wrestling? All right. So my dad was also a professional wrestler in the marksman side. He worked for, like, OVW and all that. So I've been around it literally my whole life. Um, so I felt like it was just natural for me. So, like, by the time I turned, like, 15, he was like, all right, if you actually want to do this, you can, I guess, start. Like, it's not the most ideal thing I want you to do, but – once you turn 18, you're going to do whatever you want anyway. So I guess I can let you start now at a younger age. And 
it just, I trained for a while, and then it just, I don't know, it just happened. Now, we have interviewed a lot of second-generation stars on our show, and it's sort of a mixed bag on if people think it is easier or harder being a second-generation. Having been in the business for a little bit right now, do you think that being second-generation made things easier for you to become a pro wrestler, or do you think it was harder for you being second generation? Honestly, I, I feel like it depends on the situation. So if I'm going and, like, trying to get onto a new show, like, if, so, if someone knew my dad, it would be easier that way. But then again, you have so much higher standards because it's like, oh, your family's in wrestling. Like, you should, you know, you should know all this and all that. So I feel like it's kind of half and half. There's the benefits, but then again, there's a lot of downfalls with it as well. Uh, your home base is, like we said, Supreme Wrestling, and they are a weekly show that they run yeah. every week in Madison, Indiana. For the most part, they do shows in Hanover, Indiana. Of course, like tomorrow, they run in Seymour, Indiana the occasional show elsewhere. Do you yes. think being able to wrestle for a promotion that runs every week as opposed to a lot of places that are every month or every two months is a big help to you, or do you think that uh, wrestling every week was a little bit more for you at an early age than what you should have been doing? Personally, I love wrestling every week, and if I'm not there on a Saturday now, I'm just like, uh, what am I doing? Why am I not at wrestling? At first, it was kind of weird getting used to because I was still in high school, and it weird. It was really weird not seeing, like, my friends and all that, but now I'm just so used to it that it's weird that I'm not there on my Saturdays. So it, it was just something I had to get used to, but now I'm so used to it. I really – it would be weird not wrestling there weekly. In addition to wrestling, you've also got a lot of experience as sort of a, a manager and valet. Uh, that's a different skill set, but it's an important skill set to have. Do you think doing that in addition to wrestling has helped you grow as a performer? Personally, yes, because... I get to be out there and I get to see like what other people are doing in their matches. And then like I can do like switch it up in my match. So I personally love going out there and managing cause it helps. Like I wouldn't say it helps me, but you know what I mean? Like it's just, it gives me ideas on what I should do for my matches. So I personally, I love being a manager, but sometimes I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. I love it. Some people hate it. I like it. Nothing wrong with going out and doing a different skill set. It usually makes you more valuable in the long run, I think. I agree with that 100%. In addition to doing the wrestling and managing, were there other roles within pro wrestling that you have tried or that you have wanted to try? Um, so 
so before I was a professional wrestler, when I was still doing my training, uh, I did refereeing, which was a lot of fun as well. I liked refereeing until I was the only ref almost every week, and I was like, I'm tired of this. <laughs> like, I hate being the only ref here. But it was a lot of fun. I loved refereeing. Uh, I also did ring announcing a few times, which. I don't think I'm good at ring announcing because I personally, I just hate my voice and I feel like I sound like a dying cow. So every time I did ring announcing, I was like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it because I sound like I'm dying. And they're like, you're fine. (laughs) I've heard dying cows. I don't think you sound like that at all. Dang it. Maybe it's just in my head. (laughs) That very well could be. That's not uncommon. Now, one of the things, one of the things that has become more important in the last probably year and a half or so for pro wrestling is live streaming shows. A lot of companies uh, during the pandemic, since there were restrictions in a lot of areas, would live stream shows from. A secure location without the fans present just to be able to keep shows going and keep things in the minds of the fans. A lot of companies jumped on board with the streaming services like Fight TV and um, the IWTV so they could maybe make a little bit of money at this when they couldn't have fans paying for seats. Do you yeah. think that like in the era that we've hit, do you think that going forward, once everything is normal, live streaming is still going to be a big thing, or do you think that will slow down because companies want people to come to the shows and watch in person rather than at home? Personally, I feel like they're going to keep doing both because if we're having it live streamed, then I, from Indiana, could sit here and watch a show that's happening in California and see people that I personally would probably want to work or other people will be able to find an indie wrestler that they really like. So personally, I want it to keep going. I don't know for sure if it will keep going because, like you said, they would want them to come into the show. But personally, I really do hope that it keeps going because you're going to be able to find so much talent that way that you normally wouldn't be able to find. Over the last probably five-ish years, we've seen a big growth in women's pro wrestling. Uh, Besides being a novelty act, which it was up until around that time, women's wrestling now main events a lot of uh, standard shows. You see a lot more all-women's promotions. Uh, You see Mm -hmm. women's wrestling getting their own rankings in PWI. Uh, I personally work for an all-women's promotion here in Washington, which just started. So you're seeing more and more all-women's groups all the time, where a few years ago a promoter would be leery of adding more than one women's match to any show. Yeah. What what do you think of the growth of women's wrestling over the last few years? And do you think that this is the way it's going to be going forward? Or do you think that this is sort of a 
fad within wrestling that will not last for more than so long? Personally, I hope that it keeps growing and that people keep finding it really entertaining. Because personally, I think we're capable to do everything that the men can do in the show. And I know that a lot, some people still don't support women's wrestling, and I hope that they find a woman's wrestler that they can actually really like and support women wrestling because we're capable of doing it, and that's what I feel like they're finding out. They are realizing that, oh, they're not just here for their looks. They're actually here because they love the sport, and they actually want to perform well for our show and not just, oh, I have a pretty face. Let me go do this. Like I said, I am affiliated with a women's promotion here in the greater Seattle area called Glamour. With so many women's promotions out there now, do you think that traveling around the country and getting to more of the all-women's promotions is something that you would like to do, or are you just looking to stay in your area, or do you want to travel but work for more standard promotions? Uh, well, I actually already do a all-women show. I do Girl Fight, which it tra- they travel sometimes, but most of the time we do stay in Indiana. We'll be in, like, southern Indiana, Indianapolis. Um, but I wouldn't mind traveling and doing all, like, all – female women's shows, but then again, I wouldn't mind being on a show where there's guys in the locker room as well. It all, it's a show, in my opinion. Like That is true. Luckily for us, we do both in the same exact night. You get the women's show followed immediately by the uh, men's slash women's show. We might be right up your alley. I love it. Now, one of the things that Supreme Wrestling does, uh, that a lot of companies do actually, is they run several shows per year that are benefit shows to raise money for various causes. That's been a standard in pro wrestling since the start of pro wrestling, where a promotion will put on a show to raise funds for whatever charity it is or to help someone that's in need. Do you personally enjoy doing the benefit shows when you get the opportunity? Personally, yes, because there's so many people that come out, and a lot of the fans that come out to those shows are faces that we really don't see that often. So I feel like it's a better way where we can connect with more people. Like when we did our suicide awareness show, there were so many new people out there. And now we have so many new people that are in our audience because they actually connected with us on the show and we were able to just talk to them and like, hey, you're not going through this alone. Like with this whole pandemic going on, like a lot of people are depressed and suicide crossed a lot of people's minds. So when we did that suicide awareness show and we had all those people out there just being able to talk to the fans during intermission and letting them know that they're not alone it was just really sweet and allowing them to be like, hey, we're also human as well. And you would know probably better than most people being second generation. Injuries are part of every wrestler's career, uh, whether 
they're in it for a very long time or even a short time, eventually you're going to have some sort of bump, bruise, contusion, broken bone, what have you. So far to this point, have you had any injuries in your career that you've had to deal with and overcome? Um, I fractured my hand, but that really wasn't bad. I feel like the worst one that happened is we were training and I cut a strain on my PCL and I was out for about a month or two. If you kept it to that, I would be happy because nobody hates yeah. to see injuries worse than I do. <laughs> like it was, whew. Strain PCL, not too bad in the overall scheme of things. Yep. Like, that's as bad as it was. <laughs> I mean, that's bad enough, but hopefully it'll <laughs> Gotta play be the worst for you. <laughs> with injuries, oftentimes that will lead to blood during the course of a match. And with what we have learned in medical science over the last 15 or 20 years, blood in professional wrestling has become sort of a controversial topic. Some people think that there should not be blood within a match and matches should be stopped immediately if there is, which is on some state commission's uh, guidelines. Uh, some people mm-hmm. think that uh Blood within pro wrestling is acceptable as long as they're as safe as possible and follow any state guidelines and just use common sense. There's a lot of varied opinions on it. Where do you stand when it comes to having blood on shows? Personally, like, I really I really don't mind. Like, say something happens and you end up, like, someone hits you in the nose the wrong way and your nose starts bleeding. That's not going to... You know, I feel like it should be fine. Or if say you're doing some type of match and you get hit with like something and it cuts your forehead. Uh, personally, I don't see the big problem with it, but I know a lot of states like Kentucky, you you have to stop the whole match. Like you have to stop what you're doing, and you're not allowed to finish the match if someone starts bleeding. But personally, I don't find it a problem. Like, yeah, I want you to be safe and everything. And if it didn't mean to happen, like it and you, like, lost a really, I don't know, like, a lot of blood, and you're, like, getting lightheaded, I understand, like, stop the match. But if it's something where it's controlled, you're being safe about it, then go right ahead. Have fun. If you want to do a death match, go right ahead. I'll be proud of you. you know, that actually did happen to me in the state of Kentucky. Luckily, it got under control, and... Hopefully they're not listening, but the commissioner didn't see it. Hey. So we he looked didn't out see there. It. That's all that matters. It, it was for that particular match. Yeah. Well, we have a game on this show that we like to play. We call it Bring On to Choice, Bring On to Funk. I will give you a series of two options, and the one that you most prefer is your answer. Are you ready for some okay. bring on the choice, bring on the funk? Yes. All right. First one, Boston Crab or figure four leg lock? Figure four. Tights or trunks? 
tights. Cage match or submission match? Cage. Weights or cardio? Cardio. Waffle House or Denny's? Definitely Waffle House. All the Denny's Water or Gatorade? Or awful. Gatorade. Right. I've heard it called both, but to be fair to them, we'll go with Waffle House. <laughs> Next one is Water or Gatorade? Gatorade. 450 Splash or Fist Drop? I'm going to have to go with the fist drop. Pinfall or submission? Submission. Last one, tag team or singles? Tag team. All right. That wraps up that particular game. Ellie? I've seen also uh, pre-pandemic there was an uptick in Americans and Canadians going to Europe for professional wrestling. We've seen a lot more pro wrestling open up in different countries in Europe, uh, such as Romania, Italy, France. England has exploded in the amount of pro wrestling. Is going to Europe for wrestling something that had ever crossed your mind, or is it on a goal list to get there? It's on a goal list because I still have to get my uh, passport and all that, but once I get all that situated, 100% down. If you want me to go to Europe or England, anywhere over there, 100% down. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but Romania opened a professional wrestling company Shortly before pandemic, and it is a sister company, believe it or not, of OVW. That is crazy. I personally haven't heard of it, but I definitely know about OVW. I would hope so, being where you live. (laughs) (laughs) And who Uh, we wrestle for. (laughs) Yeah. He would have been so upset if I didn't. He would be like, um, we can go. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they surprisingly enough they have a sister company in Romania and they also have a sister company in Utah of all places. That's such a random place, Utah. What's the place in Utah called, do you know? It is Devotion Championship Wrestling. Oh, that's cool. And I didn't know that. I- I believe the connection is Vince Russo because he is in that uh, wrestling office. That's pretty nice. Yeah, just kind of a a seems random until you dig in a little deeper. But, yeah, I, I don't know the connection to Romania, but it's there. That's nice to know. At this point, my co-host QT Vokes is standing by, and I know that QT has questions as well, so I'm going to pass it off to him for a bit. All right. Well, thank you, Sun Guy. Hello, Lily. Hi. How are you? Uh, I'm young and handsome. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, Lily, I'm young and handsome. 
What's that? I said, me too. I'm young and handsome. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Lily, to uh, do an extension on our uh, segment, Bring on the Choice, Bring on the Funk Word Association. Are you ready for okay. a short uh, extension of this? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, deep fried Twinkie or semi frozen mounds bar with almond and coconut? Twinkie. Definitely. Okay, you're going to. Deep fried Twinkie. Deep fried Twinkie. Okay, I'm marking that down. Okay. 1970s <laughs> pioneering women's drag racer Shirley Cha Cha Muldowney or Big Daddy Don Garlitz? I'm going to go with Shirley. Shirley Cha-Cha Muldowney, okay. And our last one, Fred Astaire or MC Hammer? MC Hammer. Oh, okay. Have you, your, <laughs> are you your pretty familiar with the dance moves of Fred Astaire? No. Oh, okay. Because Fred Astaire, <laughs> you a, a very good dancer, uh, I think it was back in the 40s and 50s, Fred Astaire, and he had uh, a partner called Ginger Rogers, and their dance steps enthralled all of America. Fred Astaire. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard of him. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Well, Lily, as part of your Turnbuckle Turmoil homework assignment, I would like you to look up the dance moves of Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. You'll be amazed. All righty. I'll definitely look it up after this. Okay. Well, Lily, I saw your YouTube video entitled DJ Darjan versus Lily Lockhart Supreme Wrestling 52921. I was pleased to see the referee check both you and DJ. Bargain, I think, Darjan, for foreign Bargain. objects. Bargain. Oh. <laughs> Darjan, okay. Okay. Bargain for foreign objects before the match. My question is, have you ever been in a tag team match where, unbeknownst to you, your tag partner snuck in something under his or her tights? Okay. So, it's not like it was un, like unknown to me because like uh, when I did a lot of tag matches, we were always the bad guys. So most of the time, me or my tag partner, like Gaston, Cameron, and Draven, one of us would always have the weapon. And then whenever the ref was checking who didn't have the weapon, he would just check them normally. So then when it's time for him to check the person with the weapon, we would just like, all right, let's slide this out, give it to the other person that he just checked because why would he check him a second time? And that's how we always, you know, got away with it. But personally, as being a, when I was a good guy, I've never had anyone else try to use a weapon or a weapon wasn't discovered unless they were doing some type of our antics that we did. Okay, okay, all right. Have you ever considered or have you seen jumper cables used as a foreign object? Jumper cables. No, but I've seen some weird stuff used as a foreign object, not jumper cables yet. Like, don't give people <laughs> ideas. 
Oh, well, we have, we have a wrestler out here, Gregor Petrov, who has pretty much gone missing in action who was known to use jumper cables. Gregor Petrov. <clears throat> Hopefully they wasn't connected to anything. Like, uh. <laughs> no, no, uh, no, like a 12-volt battery or anything that I know of. But um, what are some of the weirdest foreign objects you have seen? And have um, any of them been dipped in liquid nitrogen? Sadly, I haven't had any liquid nitrogen, so I couldn't use it, sadly. Uh, a microwave. Oh, microwave. Yeah. Wow. That's, oh, yeah, that's a boy, that's... weird one. Okay. Um, All right. What else? Oh, so we also have, we call it our little dummy, but it's a morph suit, and it's filled with, like, lots of, like, pillows or clothes that wasn't claimed from the locker room. I've seen him use as a weapon. It's like he's just a padded dummy, but cool. Um, oh. That's about it, honestly. Like, nothing really crazy. Nothing too crazy, anyways. <laughs> All right. Well, Lily, in your match that I mentioned with uh, DJ Bargain, you had a nice go behind into a front headlock and then a takedown from your left side at the one minute and 45 second mark of the match. Did you mm-hmm. learn the basics of this move in high school wrestling? No, actually I never did high school wrestling. So when I started my training, so the first like three, four months of my training, my trainer was like really big into making sure that you had those basics, making sure you knew how to do the chain wrestling and all that. So he wanted to make sure all that was like really crisp and to a T. So uh, it was kind of like embedded in my brain on how he wants it done. Okay. All right. Very good. Very good. Okay. Can you tell us what high school sports you did turn out for? Um, does professional wrestling count as one? Because right when I joined high school, that's when I decided I was going to join professional wrestling <laughs> because I don't know. And then that just took up all my time. So I couldn't really do any other. Oh, I did okay. cheerleading while oh. in middle school. So does that count? Cheerleading. Okay, all right. Hey, do you see yourself at your 10-year reunion or your 15-year reunion wearing a lucha mask? Um, probably not, because then people are like, oh, it's Lily, and she's still doing that wrestling thing, but now she's wearing a mask. What's wrong with her? They'll probably think I went insane or something. I think it would be refreshing. Not many people do that. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, she's crazy, y'all. Well, Lily, you put DJ Bargain down with a flying clothesline at the two minute and 19 second mark of the match. And it reminded me of Donald Trump taking down Vince McMahon with a clothesline. My question is, are there any truths to the rumors from my wrestling sources out of Shelton, Washington, that inspired by your successful clothesline of DJ, 
that you are working extra hours on an even more potent flying clothesline that you are going to call the border wall. Definitely haven't been working on any clotheslines recently. I thought about it, but I was like, eh, I can't put all our new trainees through that. They, they'll start hating me if I did that. But, like, she just wants to clothesline us and make us do more work. So I got to let them stick around just a little bit longer before I can just go up there and start clotheslining people. I can't let them get mad at me that easily. Oh, okay. All right. No border wall. I'm marking this down. Um, how <laughs> devastating would it, would it have been to you if Donald Trump had lost that Battle of the Billionaires match and had his hair, head shaved? How, how devastating would that have been? Honestly, probably not that devastated. I, I just like, eh. I was a kid then, so I feel like I really wasn't, I probably didn't pay that much attention to it, honestly. Oh, okay. Oh, well, all right. Very good. Okay. Well, Lily, you got the win over DJ at the 4 minute and 18 second mark. You then mm-hmm. went to a corner of the ring, and I believe you were making eye contact with a little girl that was dancing in a blue dress, and she had black hair, and I'm guessing she was about four years old. But at the four minute and 33 second mark of the video, a man dove into the ring with purple tights and a gray sweatshirt and hit you from behind with a right forearm. He then yelled something semi-incoherently about you ruining everything. And while you were on your back, he delivered four punches to you while the ring bell rang out a desperate chime to recall order. Can you tell our Turnbuckle Turmoil listeners who this man uh, was that did the cowardly attack from behind in the purple tights? So that is Gaston LaRue, and Gaston, me, and Eric Draven, we were custom-made. And with us all being in custom made, we had our group and everything. So then uh, Kazan ends up firing me from the company for a little bit. And uh, so then when I come back, because I got reinstated, came back and I was doing my match and everything. So that was my first night back from like having a few weeks off because he fired me. So I came back and all that, beat DJ. And then he attacked me from behind, and he said that it, uh, it's his show and that I needed to leave his show. So then a few days after that, uh, I get a call from Draven. Me and him figured out everything that happened with the whole Gaston thing, and I rejoined Custom Aid, and me and Gaston were trying to get along, and eventually something happened. Gaston kicked out Draven, and after he kicked out Draven, he also kicked me out with Draven. So we're still not on the same page. We still don't get along. So. Whoa, okay, boy, that's – man, oh, all right, okay. Well, Lily, at the five-minute mark, he delivered a running knee lift to your face, And again, 
the ringside bell told, told in a plaintive call to end this cowardly attack. My question yeah. is, have you ever used the song For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica as your entrance music? No, personally, I haven't. Like, I, I've, I change my music pretty often, but nothing by Metallica just yet. Oh, okay. All right. No, okay, you haven't used For Whom the Bell Tolls. All right. Well, Lily... In 1967, the rock group The Who uh, had a song on the album Meaty, uh, Beefy, Big and Bouncy, a song called Pictures of Lily. Pete Townsend, the lead guitarist, said that the song was inspired by a postcard that his girlfriend had on the wall of a 1920s actress named Lily. And in the song, pictures of Lily, the bass player, John Entwistle, who is nicknamed the Ox for just standing on the stage and not moving, plays a very rare French horn in a rock song. My question is, uh, after the show ends, will you look up the YouTube video, Pictures of Lily by The Who, and maybe consider using this in your entrance music and also reporting back to Sign Guy what you think of the song that made it to number four in England in 1967. Yes, I definitely will look it up. Oh, very good. All right. Very good. Pictures of Lily. Personally, I think it's a very strong song. And I think you yourself will like the French horn played by John Entwistle. <laughs> yes. I'll listen in for that French horn. Oh, okay. So you have two homework assignments. One is looking up Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, and one, uh, Pictures of Lily. Yep, just remind me, message it to me on Facebook so I don't forget, because I will forget. I have the worst memory possible. I think uh, Sign Guy or myself could um, uh, send you out a a reminder. Yes, okay, very good. We take our homework assignments. On turnbuckle turmoil very seriously. Yes. Okay. All right. I'll make sure I turn it in. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Lily, <laughs> time travel is often the subject on our show. If you could time travel back to the uh, 80s and meet Andre the Giant in a bar in New York, pretty much because he uh, drank quite heavily in New York, uh, it, what would be the score or the tally of beers drank uh, between you, Lily, and Andre the Giant, keeping in mind that Andre the Giant was known to drink 100 beers in a setting? If they set up a scoreboard, what would Lily have? Okay, so since I literally just turned 21 back in August, it, I probably would drink like I don't know. I feel like the most I've drunk so far was about eight, and then I was, like, I was all over the place. So I'll probably have, like, eight to his 100, and they'll be like, yeah, she's, like, wasted over there. And I'll be like, yep, that's me. (laughs) Over here wasted after eight. Wow, eight. Okay. Oh, boy. Well, eight's nothing. Boy, that's eight. Okay. Uh, I, myself, Compared to Andre, though. What's that? 
compared to Andre. That's very, very little. Well, that's that's true. Eight to uh, one hundred, and actually, I think it was a hundred and four beers. Okay. All right. Uh, I myself am down to one beer a night, but it's in a gallon bucket. Hey, <laughs> you go. Yes. Uh. Well, it's much better than than the beer or the homemade wine they may they make in uh, maximum security prisons from oranges stolen from the cafeteria. Much better. I bet it is. Honestly, I couldn't. I wouldn't have the patience to make it. I was like. I'm bored. Oh, well, you have a lot of time in your hands on in maximum security prisons. Actually, in maximum security prisons like Pelican Bay in uh, northern mm-hmm. California or FDX Florence, Colorado, the Supermax, you could not make it because you're in your cell 23 hours a day and you're very and you have like uh, personally about 15 cameras on you, so no no uh, Supermax uh, wine. You'd have to go to a minimum security prison, minimum. That's crazy how many cameras they have on you. But then again, it's like you probably did something really bad to be in maximum security, so I understand why they did it. Oh, yes. In maximum security prison in FDX Florence, Colorado, they have uh, the Richard Reed, the shoe bomber, the Olympic uh, in the Olympic. Uh, let me see. This was in uh, Georgia, the Olympic bomber. Um, and then they have, uh, let me see, Jokar Sunayev, the bomber for the Boston Marathon. Boston Marathon oh bomber. So they have a whole unit called Bombers Row. It's crazy how many bombers they have there. And I could see why they have them on maximum security because, like, if they're going to make bombs and blow that, uh, I could see exactly why they did it. Yes. And in Pelican Bay, they usually have the head of the Norenos Mexican uh, drug cartel there. And they even had Tukey Williams, uh, founder of the Crip Street Gang in Los Angeles back in 1970. Tukey Williams, yes. I can see why they also put those people in maximum security in that prison because they probably have a lot of people that are willing to back them up, like the gangs and all that. So I can see why they put them in there because a lot of people would probably try to break them out or if they were in like a regular prison, they would have people that will back them up and they would just become like a mob boss. I don't know if you watch 60 Days In, but personally that's what I'm obsessed with right now. So I could see why, like, they would put them in there because they don't want them becoming the mob boss and all that and then just causing more trouble in the prison. And this leads to my next question. How would you do, Lily, if you could time travel and wrestle Tony Soprano in a two out of three uh, falls to a TV time limit format? How would you do, Tony Soprano? Uh, Probably... (laughs) Probably not good. I don't know. I feel like when it comes down to two to three falls, I feel like I, I'm i just going to be like, all right, I got to worry about one fall at a time. And then I would just forget about like, oh, I got to win two matches, not just this one. So I feel like I wouldn't do good. Oh, okay. All right, well, Lily, it's been great talking with you. 
Good luck with your two homework assignments, and hopefully, if you ever get in trouble, you will only be signed to a minimum security prison. That's my wish. Yeah. I wouldn't do good to maximum. I would be bored out of my mind. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, back to you, son guy. Thank you, QT. Lily, you mentioned to QT that as part of custom made, Gaston LaRue, yourself, and Eric Draven would pass a foreign object around behind the back of the official. Mm-hmm. I've known Eric Draven a very, 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 very long time. Are you saying that he circumvented the rules and the official didn't catch him? Is that what we were to learn from that? Um, I feel like custom-made bends a lot of rules, and with us bending the rules, it's not breaking the rules, because what the ref doesn't see, the rule wasn't broken. Very sneaky. Did you learn that when you were refereeing as you were getting started? Um, I feel like yes. I probably did learn it just because when I was a ref and then going back and watching the matches and seeing what they were doing. That's how I feel like I picked it up. But then when I started teaming with Draven, it also, like, leveled up the skill of it and everything. Now, in professional wrestling right now, we're in some pretty unprecedented times. There are more national companies out there than there has been in probably forever. You have WWE, AEW, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, the NWA, mm-hmm. um, New Japan comes over and tours the United States. Is getting to a national company something that you personally have made a goal or is it something that you've not really thought of at this point in your career? I thought about it, but every time I do think about it, like, I feel like I'm like, okay, well, there's more that I want to do on the indies before I ever decide if I, you know, would want to sign to something like that. Like, I'm not saying that I'm ever against it. Like I will fully support anyone that would want to go sign with a bigger promotion, but personally, I would want to travel more on the indie scene before I thought more about signing a full-time contract with a bigger promotion. That makes a lot of sense. Now, someone that has signed with one of the national companies is someone that has been a semi-regular at Supreme Wrestling for the last several months, that being legendary Larry D., I know he has done several seminars and he's wrestled several times mm-hmm. for Supreme Wrestling and he's still part of Impact. What's it like yeah. having someone that is on national television on a fairly regular basis come through the doors at Supreme? Um, I feel like it's really great because like he's he made it more than a lot of people there. So he can help us with a lot of different things, and he's the sweetest person. He comes in a lot. He also has his wife that wrestles there sometimes, Paige, and she's really sweet, and he's more than willing to help you with anything. Like if you can't 
Like, if you need help figuring out what move to do or, like, how to accomplish that. Like, he is more than willing to help you, and he's more than willing to listen if you just need someone to talk to. And I personally like Larry a lot. As do I. I've worked with him many, many times myself. Al, were you watching when they announced that he was getting the full-time contract and Paige ran into the ring to celebrate with him, and then all of a sudden my seasonal allergies just started flaring and there were tears everywhere. I I remember when he got the contract, but I don't think I was listening. Well, yeah, that that footage triggered my seasonal allergies when I saw Paige get in there after he was awarded the contract. I did. I had some allergies too, but it's okay. <laughs> Both of our allergies just flare. Right, right, yeah. It was a strange trigger, but it triggered it. Yeah. Now, coming up in just a couple of weeks, uh, you will be on a show in Seymour, Indiana, and at the show in Seymour, it will be the Supreme Wrestling Return of Cousin Cooter. Cousin Cooter has been in the central Indiana region for most of the last 20 years. Have you worked before with Cousin Cooter? Um, I probably have, but I'm so bad with names, honestly. I I'll have to see someone's face. Like if I had, I've if I haven't worked with them within like the past like five six months, then I'm not gonna remember. But I don't know. I'm so bad with names and faces. Like I would have to see their face. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember him. But it sounds familiar, but I'm not a hundred percent certain. You may have also met his chicken. Chicken. Is it the rubber duck chicken? Yes. Then, yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. You should have started out with chicken. <laughs> well, I could have, but, you know, chicken and Cooter are buddy pals. Oh. Yeah. Cooter used to be managed by another chicken named Chicken Bob. Chicken Bob actually moved across the country with me, where he's still active on the independent circuit and promotions all over the country. Just a little Cousin Cooter trivia there for you. You can bring up to him when you see him. Got it. I'll bring it up, definitely. Now, in addition to Larry D. and Cousin Cooter, Supreme usually tries to bring in outside talent on a fairly mm-hmm. regular basis. People like Jason Kincaid come through. Shark Boy will be there yeah. tomorrow, of course. You get a lot of people that uh, come in for maybe just one show or they're there just every couple of months. Do you have any dream people in the wrestling industry that you would like to see come into Supreme, even for just one show, that has never appeared there as of yet? Um, hmm. I know this is going to be really outrageous, but 
probably like Shawn Michaels. Like I know that would be really hard to do, but I, I personally I love Shawn Michaels or like Ric Flair. Um, I'm trying to think of someone that's not that popular that would be an easier bring in. Maybe like Bobby Fish. He like yeah he was on NXT, but he's not Ric Flair or Shawn Michaels. Um. That's a good question, honestly. Like, I never really thought about that. Well, Bobby Fish, I believe, is eligible to come in in a couple of months once his 90-day compete clause is satisfied. Another person, um, probably one of the beautiful people from TNA, Angelina Love or Velvet Sky. I feel like that one of them will be fun to work as well. Um, Or Gail Kim. Lots of great talent right there. And I was like, I I need to mention some females. (laughs) One of the more important things for a pro wrestler to have is really good wrestling gear. It keeps the wrestlers standing out and gives them the look of professional wrestlers for the fans especially in the last year or so when a lot of people had a lot of downtime due to the pandemic restrictions, people would take advantage of it to have new gear made. Do you have a go-to person that makes most of your gear for you, or do you get your gear from a variety of sources? Most of the time it's a variety, but a lot of people have been recommending me this one guy. So I think I might just start using him because he's Draven's go-to guy, Gaston's go-to guy. So I'm probably going to use him as be my go-to guy. Now, when it comes to protecting your ankles and your feet, wrestling boots are important. Some people prefer the amateur wrestling shoes because they're lighter and they feel like they have more agility in those. Some people prefer the traditional wrestling boot. What's your own personal choice when it comes to the footwear? Personally, I like the amateur wrestling shoe with kick pads and all that. I just feel like it looks better on me than boots do and I just like the way it looks more and I like I feel like I get better ankle support as well because I can tighten it up around my ankles more. So it makes my, personally, it makes my ankles feel better. Well, Lily, we are down to the last few minutes of the show, and I want to give that time to you. If there is anything you would like to say to the listeners, plug and promote everything that you would like, upcoming shows, merchandise, social medias, your favorite hamburger restaurant, anything you would like, floor is yours. All righty. Make sure that you follow me on Instagram, Facebook. My Instagram is Lily Lockhart with a little underscore at the end. Uh, Facebook, it's Lily Lockhart, or you can follow my personal page, Lily Dumeier. I post a lot of wrestling things on there. Uh, We have a show that's going to mean a lot to me as well. We're doing another suicide benefit show in 
the Southwestern High School in Hanover, October 23rd. So if you can come out to any show, I highly recommend that one. And reminder that Shark Boy will be at the show in Hanover tomorrow. Well, That's Willie, about all it I is, got. Well, all right. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. I thank you very, very much for taking the time to be with us. Give my very best to all the boys tomorrow at Supreme. We'll be hoping that you have a full house tomorrow. And give my best to Cousin Cooter when you see him in Seymour. Alrighty, I definitely will. All right. And if you have not done so yet, jump on the YouTubes and look up Lily Lockhart. She's a phenomenal young talent. I think you'll be seeing a lot more of her in the next few years as she continues to get better and continues to move her way up the ladder. Hopefully we'll get her out here for some glamour or some other local shows at some point. But keep your eye on her. She's definitely very good. And we will be back with you on, actually, Saturday morning. We have a Buddha special. Coach Mike Jones and the Real School Army will be stopping by for a chat to promote their big upcoming match at WUW the following week. So join us tomorrow for that. You can find me Saturday at 3 p.m. at the Sultan Washington Boys and Girls Club for the very first ever Timber Pro Wrestling Show. And then Sunday afternoon, we'll be back at our regularly scheduled time with Ray Black out of the great state of Arizona and the Arizona Wrestling Federation. And one week from this very day, Juniper Gates will be our guest. So make sure you have plans to be with us. Everybody stay safe out there. Go support your local independents wherever they may be near you. And we'll talk to you soon. Whoa, oh, oh, oh.